Receive what's been given. Lord, I receive everything. I thank you for all the things you've given unto life. You know what Jesus said? Give us our daily bread. Just release it to me. I believe it. I believe it. Right? It's really amazing. Uh, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, here's the key. Why don't we see that in the body of Christ? Well, here's the key. He wrote it, didn't he? Because it's given through the knowledge of him. The things of God are not given through sovereignty. That's why the people who, who, who are primarily sovereignty Christians don't understand it. And they never will get it, and they won't receive it primarily on this earth. They'll receive it in heaven when they can finally see it. But they won't be able to receive by faith. Because their belief and the way they've been taught is that if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. And if you don't have it, it's not his will for you to have it. But see, the Bible doesn't teach that. This is not teaching that. This says that if you have knowledge of what he's done for you, believe it. And then you shall see it. Right? That's how it comes. See, it's very clear what God is telling us. His divine power has given us all things. Who, who wants to doubt God? Has he given us all things? You believe the scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit and he caused Peter to write this for our good? Yeah. Well, if he did, then is he serious? Can he lie? So have all things been given? Why don't people receive all things? They either A, don't have the knowledge, or B, they don't walk in it. They either A, don't have the knowledge, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge, or B, they didn't mix it with faith. Isn't that what it says in Hebrews about the Hebrews? That though they heard the gospel, they mixed it not with faith, therefore it was not profitable to them, which meant what? They couldn't cross the Jordan and come into the wonderful blessing that God had prepared. Well, how can you say God wants good things? I don't see good things. Well, how can you say God had good things for the Hebrews, but they wouldn't walk in and get them? Does that make him a liar? No, it makes them unfaithful. It makes, and you know, if you look back on it, he called them evil, sinful, because they didn't believe. Non-belief is sin. That's what, I can't believe the, the, the people that, well, you know, you've got to put sin away out of your life. These people that really believe they've 100% put sin away, to me, it's, it's such a foolish thing. Because if God even tells you to cross the street and you don't believe, you're, that's sin. It's day to day. I mean, there's no way. There's, but they really believe that. They believe that because they've kind of mastered most of the Ten Commandments, they can literally tell other people, you've got to put all your sin away. <laughs> and when you grow as a Christian, you realize that each and every individual is given a divine purpose. And then it goes beyond the Ten Commandments. There's a divine purpose on your life, a reason you exist, and you've got to do that, and you've got to honor that too. And if you fail to believe that, then that's sin. Now, the good news is Jesus dealt with sin, right? But it's still displeasing to God. And what does sin do? It blocks you from the goodness of God. Right? Huh? Yeah. Right. So he, 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 knew, he knowing that this was way too big a task for a man without his help, set it up where he would send his help. <laughs> That's why the law points us to Christ. We don't go back to the law. Every time you go back to the law, you realize what a loser you are. I mean, let's be honest. Every time you go back and read the law, Ten Commandments, man, I'm a loser. I can't keep those things. Good news is God didn't intend you to do it on your own. He always wanted you to need him. He always knew I would need him to complete my mission. His mission is so much greater than what a man. That's why he says any man born of the kingdom is greater than John. Because born of the kingdom, your kingdom divine purpose comes through. See, and you need God for the, to do that. It's much bigger than it's much bigger than anything you could do. And you hear that sometimes preachers say, "Well, you know, if you can do it on your own power, it's probably not God." Well, I can guarantee you it ain't God. You know, because He wants much bigger things than can be done. Peter, Peter, there's no way he could preach and two thousand people would would come to Christ on his own. You know. I don't know if I want to get, you want me to, 
you that are against mega churches need to look at the first church. That's all I'll say. But on that day, and in the next few days, two to 3,000 people were in that church. And that was the will of God. So if you don't believe in a mega church and you think every church needs to be 27 people and you don't understand the plan of God, I'm just going to tell you. I'm not trying to be rude, but you don't understand the plan of God. I hear people all the time, I just love a small church. It's so much better. Da, da, da. Nobody listens to a small church, folks. They don't have any pull in the community. Churches that have four or 5,000 people, they can get stuff done. It's just a fact. The smaller your churches are, the more divided the leadership is. Have you? Con- no, nobody's considered that because they don't really care what God's trying to do. They just want to get saved and save their family. But they're not thinking about kingdom, you see. Most people aren't thinking about the kingdom. If you have 5,000 people and Jesus is the head and he has his leaders that are doing what he's telling them to do and it disseminates and everybody follows, you got a group of 5,000 people doing what God wants them to do. If you got groups of 20s, how in the world are you going to get all of them to agree? You're not. You won't. That's why we're so messed up. <laughs> if you got groups of hundreds. You got 100 people that spend $4 million on their building and their gymnasium over here and 150 people that spend $6 million on their gymnasium and their people over here. And they don't agree. And that's just in one town. In our town, I guarantee you got $20 million in buildings and gymnasiums and all kind of stuff spent on people and they ain't getting undone. We ain't getting undone. We're just taking care of ourselves. You can't deny that. It's 100% true. Nobody wants to hear it. It was 100% true. If you took all those people, spent $4 million on all of them, then you'd have all that other money to go and grab some more folks. That would change something. <laughs> that would change something. Everything the Bible talks about being in agreement. In agreement. Two or more of you agree on any one thing? Two or more of you? What if 5,000 of you agree on any one thing? What if two groups of 5,000 agree on one thing? And they all put their efforts under the, under the head Jesus Christ and make sure it happens. Oh, it'll happen. It's going to happen. It will happen. But you get groups of 20s that don't really agree with each other trying to make something happen. Ain't nobody got to listen to that. Nobody in government's got to listen to that. They're not worried about 27 people, 70 people. They're not worried about it. 200 people. Right? That's a side note, but it's true. It's true. If, if, if there were 3,000 people in the first church there in Acts, and there were 12 leaders, the apostles, you do the math, how does that break down? Now, elders were added as they grew. That means new preachers, new, new prophets, new apostles. They were added, new evangelists were added as they grew, Right? So you still break down to what? One person every two or 300 people. One leader every two or 300 people. Which is the same thing as having a little church. The only difference is all these people are in agreement. They're under the same purpose. Amen. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. The same purpose. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's kingdom. When we're so busy teaching, just get yourself saved, we forget that there's a whole kingdom out here we're supposed to be advancing right whole kingdom we're supposed to be advancing all right that's enough of that this is what it says all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him oh man and then in verse 4 it says by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you can become partakers of what the very nature of god that's divine nature. Your Bible probably says divine nature, right? Well, he's the divine. So it's telling you that through, through being a believer, A, you've got to have the knowledge of these things, and then by believing in them, you become a partaker in the very nature of God. That's not a sovereignty thing, is it? It doesn't mean that no matter what you believe or how good you do or whatever, God's going to do it. What it says is if you know it and believe it, then you become a partaker in it, Right? 
If you know it and believe it or will walk in it, then you become a partaker in it. Otherwise, though these things are sovereign and exist, you'll never see them. Not, not on this side. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about salvation now, although that is one of them. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're truly saved, you're saved. You can be saved and leave here well short of your destiny. I know people don't preach that, but they don't know the Bible. There's too many verses that say, long life have I promised you. And if you do these things, it will add length to your day. My goodness, you mean there's not a day written down that I can add length to my days? But my preacher told me, you know, my number was up, I was going to go. Your preacher told you wrong. He didn't read it all to you. Length of days shall I add unto you. Oh, my gosh. What does that mean? As I'm obedient, as I walk in faith, I can add length of days to my life. Oh, politically correctness seeps in. We don't want people to, wouldn't dare want to stand up and do a funeral and say that they left early. We don't hurt, want to hurt anybody's feelings because they tithe in the church, right? Don't want anybody to get mad and leave. And so we let them believe a lie. And it shortens their days. And then the preacher's held accountable. It ain't going to be me. Not that time. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense. We don't want to do that. Why not just tell people? So let's look at it. What this means then, if, if we could go this far, with, if you just stay with me this morning, what this really means, I mean, really what this means is it's not personal. But we tend to take it that way. Like if, 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 if somebody among us is struggling with a sickness, they literally most of the time will say, God, just, I don't know. God, why haven't you healed me? I mean, what have I done? That's personal, right? I said, God, it's personal between you and me. What you? God's like, I ain't done nothing. What have you done? I gave you everything. Have you read 2 Peter 1.3? I can hear him now through the Spirit. Have you read 2 Peter 1.3 that I gave you all things pertaining to life and godliness? I get sick. I stand up here and tell you the truth. I've told several, got it on camera several times. If I leave early, don't be making excuses for me. God gives me revelation of this stuff, but I still have to live it out myself. He doesn't live it out for me just because I'm a preacher. Any more than he lives it out for you when you hear it. You still have to put it in, in place in your life and walk it out. You still have to be obedient to what he's leading you to do so his power will flow in your life. Amen. I'm no different than you, but we still got to tell the truth up here. I don't get to, you know, sugarcoat it to make you feel good because I'm really hurting you then. I'm hurting me too because he holds me accountable, you know. But literally all things have been given to pertain to life and godliness. <sighs> and we have these exceeding great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Nobody wants to talk much about that. Get saved. Don't start talking about being a partaker of the divine nature. That's something reserved for God. God's up here, you're down here. Well, you know, really, literally, that's not true in the Bible anymore, is it? God's in here. I mean, simple, simple theology. God's in here, so he's not really way up there and we're way down here. Really, he chose to clean us up through the blood of Jesus so he could come live here. And if he's living here, he's not that far away, is he? Because my spirit man lives here and the Holy Spirit lives here. He's not that far at all, <laughs> is he? These lies Satan wants us to believe, to believe that we're helpless far away, useless, have no power, have no authority, have no ability, worthless, you know, I could just, the words, you know, small, insignificant, little, you don't matter, your life, as long as you're safe, you'll never impact anything, just, just, just survive, and you'll get to heaven one day, right, all these things that, I mean, when I talk to people, that's what they believe about themselves, right, that are lies, lies, lies. You think because you were born on the wrong side of the track, that's where God wants you to be? It breaks his heart. He didn't cause this world to fall. We did. He didn't design anything that way. He designed the best for us. 
bought into the lie. Well, you can lie. You can lie where there's darkness because nobody knows the truth, right? Yeah. You can lie where there's darkness because nobody's shining a light around. Don't go sit over there. There's no chair over there. I could be that far from the chair. <laughs> you know, most of the time we are that far from all the things that have already been given. But nobody in our circle knows, right? No need to go over there. There's nothing over there. There's no bow right there. Don't even try. Yeah. That's all Satan's doing. He's trying to keep you in the dark. That's the only tool he really has is keep people in the dark and make them curse themselves by not seeking God in faith. Right? Because he can't curse you. He can't curse you. You can't curse that which God has blessed. God's a greater. God's greater. You can't curse it. He can speak curses, but all that's going to happen is going to heap blessings. He tried it. He tried it in the Old Testament with Balaam. He tried. He tried to curse the people of God. And, and the prophet could come out and say, I, 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 I try to bless them, but they keep getting, I mean, I try to curse them, but they keep getting blessed. I try to curse them, but they keep getting blessed. Trust me, I'm trying to curse them, but it doesn't work. They keep getting blessed because God's blessed them, and that's all you can say. You can't curse what God's blessed. I mean, I can only do so much. My hands are tied, you see. Amen. Man. Ooh, he's good. So, this is the thing. It says he's already given us all these things. So, if you will, go to Matthew 13. Let's start to talk about what we're going to get into, and then we'll, we'll finish it up. Matthew 13. Good old Matt. Let's see what Matt would say to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for using our brother, Matthew, Father, by the Holy Spirit to speak to us. This is what Jesus said, according to Matthew, who heard it firsthand, and by the Holy Spirit, it was brought back up to him to write. Amen. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he'll have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken. Whoever has, more will be given, and it'll flourish unto abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he does have, will be taken. You with me on that? Hmm? He just got through talking about the parable of the sower. Yeah, verse 12, Matthew 13, 12. Did you see it? Do we need to read it again? Everybody did see it? Okay. That's, a, that's coming down to the end of the parable of the sower, which you know is talking about throwing the word, scattering the word. Some fell on the road, and beside the road where there was no soil at all, and the birds devoured it, right? And then some fell on some soil and didn't produce, and this, that, and the other. Amen? I've always found that to be very interesting. How can you say whoever has more be given, but whoever does not have even what he has? How can you say about somebody, whoever, whoever doesn't have even what they have? Whoever doesn't have even what they, and that, that's like a contradiction, right? Whoever, do, whoever has, whoever doesn't have even what they have, because if they don't have, how can they have? If they don't have, how can they have? And the Holy Spirit told me, he says, it's talking about what they think. It's not talking about the truth. These are people that are in darkness. They don't understand the truth. These are people that think they have not, even though they have, because they never read 2 Peter 1.3. They don't understand what God's done. These are people in the church today that need blessing, deliverance, healing, salvation, all these things. They don't know what God's done, so they, they think they have not. When in truth, everything they need, they have. Come on, can you hear it? And because they don't understand and they think they don't have, the things that they actually have, Satan will take from them. They have health. Through Jesus Christ. He sent his word and healed them. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who healeth all my illnesses and diseases. He bore our sicknesses. By his stripes we are healed. You see, they have this, but they don't know it. And not knowing it, hmm, they don't think they have it. And because they don't think they have it, Satan goes and pulls it away. Now, what do they do? Just to, let's just complete the circle. What do they do? 
They're not bad people. They're not bad people. Well, what do they do? Well, God must just not want me healed. He just won't do it. He just, he just won't do it. For whatever reason, I must have made him mad, or I haven't been as obedient as I should have, or uh, something. I mean, he just won't do it. And it has nothing, it's not, can I say, it's not personal. It's just a key to the kingdom. You have to know what's been given, and you have to say, I have it to possess it. Hmm? Mm-hmm. You have to really believe, I have this, and confess it. What do you, how do you get saved? Anybody know Romans 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, if you what? If you believe, then you'll do what? If you believe in your heart, you will confess, and then you will have it. And then you will have it. It's a principle or a key to the kingdom of God. It is the primary key to the kingdom of God is you have to know what he's done. How, how do you please God? Hebrews eleven six. How do you please God? In 11, 6? I think it's eleven six. To please God, what do you have to do? You have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You got a Christian, don't believe he's, he's a rewarder. God just, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to do it for me. You don't believe he's a rewarder. You need to seek him. He's a rewarder of those that seek him. Why? Because when they seek him, they find. He who seeks will find. What will they find? That it's already given. They will find that he's already supplied their every need. They will find this if they search the word of God. And then if they have the heart to do it, they will say, I believe it's mine. And then they shall have it. Isn't there another parable, another scripture teaches that? These things you say that you believe you receive, then you shall have them. Isn't that Mark 11? It's Mark 11. I don't know what verse, but it's in Mark 11, right? Confessing you have them, you shall have them if you don't operate in unbelief, right? See, it all ties in together. It all ties in together. It's teaching us how the kingdom works. All right, now I'm going to go to Mark 4 real quick. We want to continue continue to, to go through this, to flesh this out for a minute. Mark 4, 25, Jesus says it again, and I'll read the whole thing here too. Um, he says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Now he's not just saying have, he's saying hear. Why? Because if you hear, then you have. If you hearken and believe, then you have. Remember, in the Bible, to hear means to hearken, to, to, believe, to believe, right? Amen? It means to consider, ponder, to think about, to try to figure out. Amen? So there are a lot of Christians, Jesus said, you have neither eyes to see, you have neither ears to hear. He wasn't saying God had done anything. If you read it, he says their hearts have waxed gross. I mean, they've gotten fat and lazy. They're not, they're not seeking God. They're not seeking God. They're not looking to hear what he's saying, right? But to somebody who has got ears open to receive the message of God, then everything is open for them. Now, if you don't believe me, look at what it says in verse 22 here. Mark 4, 22. This is what Jesus said. There is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. Mm. After that, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, God has your answer. He's given your answer. Whatever you need, there's an answer for it in God. Amen? What we got to do is get the answer. We got to diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you don't know the character of God and you don't believe he rewards the diligent seeker, you won't, you won't seek. You'll just say, God doesn't love me. I've done bad things. God doesn't love me enough. I haven't been good enough. God doesn't love me enough. Or for whatever reason, God just didn't choose me. He chose that person, but not me. People in church do this all the time. 
This is what blocks him. It's what blocks us from the things he has for us. All of us. It's what blocks us. We believe the lie. And he says, take heed to what you hear with the same measure you use. It'll be measured to you. I listen to preaching. I listen to preaching. I don't teach you what I listen to, but I listen to it all the time. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. I run into people all the time that I knew from when I was young, and they grew up supposedly in church, and I don't need to go hear no preaching, man. I ain't going to church. I read the Bible. Did you read where it says, faith cometh by hearing? And hearing by the Word of God. So when people preach the Word of God, it builds faith. When people teach the Word of God, it builds faith. If you sit at home, you can read, but it may not build your faith. There's an anointing that goes out through preaching and teaching that builds faith. That's what God says, not what I'm saying. That's just what the Word says. You either believe it or you don't. You're either going to be obedient to it or you won't. You know, But I'm usually here on Sunday, so I listen to other things. I listen during the week. Why? Because I need to be built up too. <laughs> you know? We all need to be built up, right? Amen. That's why. And it breaks my heart to hear people say, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm saved. I don't need to go to church. Yeah, but what God, what's God doing today? What's God want you to be a part of? They've never considered that because you can't equip yourself. The five-fold office to, is to equip the church. They don't, they don't consider equipping. They're just good Christians at home. Right? Many times not producing any fruit at all for the kingdom of God, which means their very salvation is hanging in the wind. If you read John, <laughs> right? Any tree that doesn't bear fruit in me is subject to be hacked down or hewn down and thrown into the fire. Right? So Jesus himself said, again, I'm, I'm not judging anybody. He knows who are his, amen. But I think, again, we'd be liars if we didn't tell people the whole truth, amen, and give them the right to understand. Um, so it's interesting. Take heed what you hear, and with the measure you apply to what you hear, trying to understand it is the measure you'll receive from it. With the measure you hear teaching and look it up and listen and, and ask God to counsel, the Holy Spirit to counsel you and reveal it to you, the truth of it will be revealed unto you, right? And then he goes into the same thing. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, God doesn't take away. I want you to know who steals. Satan steals. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. God doesn't steal from people. He don't kill people. Oh, see, y'all think God kills people. His people, he doesn't kill them. Amen? We'll get into that in a minute. I know that's, that might be hard just right now, but we'll get into it in a minute. Luke 8, I want to go there real quick too. We're going in order, so that's not bad. Just go back to Luke 8. 8.18, we'll get there real quick, or as soon as I can turn. <laughs> Same thing. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he... Now, Luke adds something. Luke's good. Luke gets things. Luke adds things and he gets things sometimes that aren't in other parts of the same gospel. Okay, I want you to see this. Whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. So what he has will be taken is what the other... But this one says, even what he seems to have. I only read this for that. Just, just, just for that, just so you know. Um, then Luke 19, we'll go there real quick. 19.26, Jesus says it again. We'll get into this one. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. He was a fan of saying this. You think if somebody says something three times, that's worthy of serious consideration by the church? 
You think if Jesus Christ said something three different times, that's worthy of consideration by the church? I'd say it is. I'd say that's something that we ought to be sitting on a lot, meditating on, learning from. Because if he believed it, every time he taught a parable, practically a major group of parables, if he would say something like that, that's probably pretty important. So let's look at this one. How I many is parable of the talent? Some of your Bibles may say parable of the minus. You know, that's money. It's not talents like it's money. A talent was money, right? This is what Jesus said in, in verse 12 of Luke 19. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minus, one each. Hmm? He called ten. We're only going to talk about three of them. Okay, just want to make sure you're with me. He called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minus, and said to them, Do business till I come back. You, let, let that be in your mind. Let that be in your mind. Because as you read this parable, it's easy to forget about that part. That there was a command that went out. If you receive this talent, if you receive this mina, do business with it until I return. If you receive the kingdom of God, you've received a command. Increase the kingdom till I return. So if you're sitting on your rear and you're not increasing the kingdom of God, I'm not going to say anything else. Okay, and he said, do business till I return. Now, remember, this is a parable. It's given in terms of business and money, but it's meant in terms of the currency of the kingdom of God and our efforts for him as his servants because he went away to receive a kingdom. Where is he? He's in the heavenly realms, seated at the right hand, having received a kingdom. And he's left his church here to do business until he returns. Amen. I'm going to suggest we better be doing business. All of us. Do business till I come. All right. Verse 14. This is a key that you don't read in some of the other uh, gospel recording. And, and I just want to make sure we see this. But his citizens, that's Jesus, right? Because the parable is about him. His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. What do you think humans are saying on the earth? I don't receive Jesus Christ. He's not my king. I don't believe. We will not have this man to rule over us. And God laughs. <laughs> Let's just be honest. God laughs at that. Oh, he'll, he'll reign over you either because you want him to because he's powerful enough to do it, one or the other. Verse 15. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants, whom he'd given the money, to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your talent or your mina has earned 10. He said to him, well done, good servant. Because you are faithful and little, you have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, master, your talent has earned five. Likewise, he said to him, he didn't say, hey, you did less than the other guy. Hear me out on this. All this required is that you do what, according to the talent and ability he's given you, is that you build the kingdom. Amen. It doesn't mean you have to build like that person. It means you do it in accordance with what you've been given, right? So quit judging yourself by other people and judge yourself by what God's given you. Let every man stand on his own that his own work may be approved. And Paul even said that we, we, we stand in our own work, not wanting to say that somebody else's work was ours, right? Amen? So you see that. And then the second came, and likewise, you, you'll be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here's your talent, which I've kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, 
because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you didn't sow. And so he said to him, and this Jesus, you know, basically, but in the parable, the ruler said, out of your own mouth, I'll judge you, you wicked servant. You notice he was a servant of Jesus, right? You wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? I want you to see this, if you will. And I think the Lord had me talk about megachurch and and just ministry in general, because we tend to bring human jealousies into the kingdom of God with us and the way we see things, okay? And this is all fleshed out right here. But look at what they say, because a lot of times this is lost. Verse 24, he said to those who stood by, take the mina or the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten, right? You're all okay with that, right? Notice what the world or what the church says. But they already have ten. You you see the little parentheses there? But they already have ten. That's the jealousy of the, nat- the, the fallen nature coming into what God does. It doesn't belong. It doesn't belong. Well, why would God want a church of 5,000 people? You know, they already have 5,000 people. Why couldn't there just be 1,000 over here? and a th- Ain't none of your business. Why? Because he who has will do something with the kingdom of God. He's proven himself. That's why. Amen. Amen. So they fussed. They said, but, but they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. And then what Jesus said, the same thing he's quoted to us over and over and over and over and over again since we've been talking today. For I say to you, everyone who has will be given. What's he tell them? You don't understand the principle of God. The ones who have are going to grow. It drives people crazy. Preachers get rich. It drives them crazy. They ought not have that. Why you give that to them? They ought not have that. That's not right for them to have that. You don't understand the kingdom of God. (laughs) You don't understand the kingdom of God. Well, that church is already big enough. Why would God bless them? That must not be God. You don't understand the kingdom of God. (laughs) Well, how can that guy be blessed? He's just an electrician like me. He must be doing something illegal. You don't understand the kingdom of God. You're just bringing the natural jealousies that you are born with in this fallen world and trying to apply it to the kingdom of God. God don't hear you. He's not listening to you with your jealous self. Jealousy is not of him. That's a work of the flesh. That's going to be judged and thrown away. It's very clear in Galatians 5 what the works of the flesh are and what the works of the, or the, the fruit of the Spirit is. Jealousy is not a fruit of the Spirit. Love is. Kindness. Compassion. Goodness. Self-control, all these things, right? Yeah. Amen. People that walk in that don't worry about what somebody's got. They're proud of them. They thank God. Thank you, God. I'm proud of what you're doing in them. Praise God. I know they're going to do good with it. You must have found good in them because guess what? You're rewarding them. I praise you, Father, for what you're doing. I pray that you'll find the reason to reward me for what I'm doing. That's what a non-jealous Christian sounds like. You don't find many, but that's what they sound like. <laughs> I'm not saying I always am one. I'm just using an example, right? But it's rare to find that, really, in Christianity, unfortunately. It's rare to find somebody that says, oh, they're doing well. I, I, Lord, I bless you. I praise you for that. Lord, I, I just worship you for doing well, that you are, you are faithful to your servants. I thank you. I can't wait till it's my time. Hmm? Right? Whether it be healing or deliverance or blessing or whatever it is, you know? Amen? We must understand how the kingdom of God works. He says those who are faithful will grow. Right? Always says. And it could be, it could just be money. It could be their knowledge and revelation of God. Well, I mean, it could be all kinds of things. Amen? And then he said, for I say to you, everyone who has will be given. And So here's my point. Look at verse 21, if you will, while we're here. If you will, do this, please. 
the wicked servant said, I feared you. I feared you. You're an austere man. You collect what you don't deposit and you reap what you don't sow. <sighs> Why did he take his talent and wrap it in a handkerchief and put it away? Why, do, why are we doing that? I'm not going to make it like it doesn't affect us, because it does. Why are we doing that? I'm going to tell you what I really believe. I really believe. And you search your heart, get before the, God, the Holy Spirit, you know, and see what he tells you. Uh, this is what he's kind of leading me to. This man feared that what he'd been given wouldn't produce, and he would have nothing to hand back to God. You know what that's called? Lack of faith. There's a lot of people in this room that have this issue. Right? All, I mean, a lot of us. God don't give you something that won't produce. If he gives you something and says, go and do business, it's a given that it'll produce. He doesn't so put bad seed. You know what I mean? The man did not believe that what he was given would work. He was afraid to take it out there and put it to its intended use. Now remember, he got a direct command from the king, Jesus Christ himself. Go and trade until I come back. And there's a bunch of people sitting around ain't traded nothing because they don't really believe what they've been given will produce anything. That's lack of faith, folks. It's wickedness. You don't believe what God said. Don't believe what he said. Now, I want to say this. It affects you, what your deliverance, your healing and all that. But understand, guys, we have, that, that's, that's basic level with God. Getting yourself straightened out is basic level. We got to get ourselves straightened out and then help others. And see... The problem with this is that if you can't even sow one talent in faith, you don't believe God will work with one talent. The kingdom can't grow in you. The kingdom can't grow through you. You can't produce anything. Right? Now, that's a problem for God, and he takes that seriously. Because this is how his kingdom works. The key to his kingdom is that knowing, and you believe, and it produces and knowing, but not believing it'll produce, you don't turn the key. And he's away having a kingdom conferred on him, which he's going to share with you. And you down here not doing what he's asked you to do. Or I'm down here not doing what he asked me to do. That's not going to work. Amen. Are you with me? Does it make sense? We see so many Christians can't get past getting themselves out of stuff. You can't help anybody until you're okay. I mean, you know, really. And I don't mean you got to be perfect. I just mean you got to start believing and seeing God move in your own life and get past yourself and start being willing to do things that are going to bless others. That's a whole different level. And you can't begin to bless others until you believe you're blessed. Right? So this is, this is a central issue with God, with us. And that's why our blessing is tied to obedience. He's not going to reward you for doing nothing. He's not going to reward me for doing nothing. He's a good father. No good father rewards a lazy son. That just teaches him to be more lazy. Right? Now, when I say lazy, I mean in terms of the currency of the kingdom, not money and business. What's the currency of the kingdom of God? Faith. Thank you. Faith. So if you know something, 
In other words, you have light, you have knowledge, which is how we become partakers of the divine nature, First Peter, uh, I mean, Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, right? We just read that. If we know that all things are given, and we do, then we have to believe it. And believing it, it unlocks it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatsoever you shall bound on earth shall be bound. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed. How's that going to work? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. Right? You know what he told him? He told Peter that. And then Peter's the one telling us all things necessary for life and godliness have been given through the knowledge of him. He's given us these great and exceedingly exceedingly great promises. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That by faith, they can be unlocked. And we become partakers of the divine nature. So that means God doesn't want you to be far from him. He wants you to be a partaker of the divine nature. If he went through all this to make it yours, you may not remember what we talked about last week, but I'm going to read this to you real quick. It just came to mind. It's in Isaiah 53. And remember how we were talking about astonishment and how Jesus was made astonished in the place of of us and how that brought things to us. It's funny, a little bit further down, um, he talks about he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But then it talks about it, it was God, it pleased God to bruise Jesus and put him to grief, okay? And then in verse 12, it says, because he withstood all those things and subjected himself to our punishment. In verse 12 of, of Isaiah 53, it says this, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. In other words, Jesus' portion is huge, all right, as the head of the house. Now, look at this. And it says, And he, that's Jesus, shall divide the spoil, in other words, what he gets, with the strong. Not with the Christian, with the strong. The ones who knowing in our parable that the people don't want to be ruled by him are not afraid yet to go and sow what they've been given among those who don't want to be ruled by him. Can you say it easily? Yes. Those who are willing to sow the word of God and believe even enduring the persecution of the people who don't want his rule in place. Why does this man really have a problem? He was scared to go and, and, and put to work that which he had been given because the people didn't like his master. He had no faith that it would work because the people hated his master. Every day when you leave the house, the people you go out among that aren't saved hate your master. They want to persecute you. And you don't believe because you perceive that heavy persecution and you believe that their will is more powerful than what you've been given by God. It really hurts his feelings because what it means is you believe the world more than you believe him. That's what blocks us. The belief in men and what they want and what they see and what they can do compared to what God will do and has done. Amen? Amen? All right. So, we may have to finish this on a later date. There's a lot more. So, um, we will do that at a, at a later date. We'll finish it next week. So, just think with me now, before we go any further, what he said. I feared you because you were an austere man who collect what you didn't deposit and reap what you sow. Let me ask you a real quick question. What, how, how, does the, how, does, how does the earth work? If you sow, you... And God says, God's not mocked, a man will... Reap what he, so this guy said, I know you, you reap what you didn't sow. This guy's messed up. He doesn't know how God works. He doesn't know how God works. Jesus Christ had to sow to reap. That's why he went and preached. Jesus Christ went and told a parable and said a sower went forth to sow. Of course he was a sower. He had to sow on earth to reap. It's the principle of creation. You have to sow to reap, Right? This man didn't believe the principle of creation. He wouldn't sow the talent he'd been given. He said, oh, well, God's just God. Come on, y'all hear these religious Christians? Jesus just God. He could do whatever he wanted. He didn't have to sow. And what have I been trying to teach for the last eight years? Jesus walked as a man and had to, had to minister as a man. He had to reap to sow. 
These people are messed up in their thinking. They said, well, God, you just, you just do everything. It don't matter what you do. Jesus, did, he didn't have to sow. And then Jesus taught us. A sower went forth to, uh, to, re- to sow. And then he would reap, right? Amen. This guy didn't understand the, pre- the presence, I mean, the um, character of God at all. He didn't understand it. He missed it. He said, I knew you to be an austere man. Right? Harvesting what you didn't even deposit. Reaping what you didn't even sow. Jesus didn't even argue with him. He said, I'm going to judge you just based on that. If you knew that much, not that that's true, but if you knew that much, why didn't you put my money in the bank? What's he really saying? You're a liar. You're a liar, and I can judge you based on just what you've said. Even though it's not true, I'm not going to worry about that. You don't believe anyway, but you're a liar because if you believe that, you would have put my money in the bank. Even though my command was to go and trade, you would have put my money at least in the bank. You didn't do it. You're a liar. You're just wicked. You just didn't do it. Right? Take the minor from him and give it to the one who has ten. You want to be somebody that produces for the kingdom of God. If you do, you won't even have to work for your increase. Because your increase is coming from somebody that won't produce. Can you read this? Your inquiry is coming to you just by merit of the fact that you're obedient. Your increase will come because they're going to take it. He's going to take it from the one who won't do anything with it, and he's going to bring it to somebody who will. He's going to do it because he's going to increase his kingdom. You remember what it said about Jesus? And of the increase, his kingdom of the increase shall have no end. Right. There's going to be increase. You can either, this is what he's telling me, folks. You can either be on it, in on it, or not. You can either be in on it or not. But it's not personal. Don't leave here saying, well, God just hadn't done this for me. It is not personal. It's like rules of the kingdom of God. If you apply the rules of the kingdom of God, it works. God is not up there stamping some yes and some no. He set this thing in effect. And those who hear it and believe it, it's a yes to them. 